0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to A Higher Future. I am Yubi Simignetti, along with my co host, Dr. Nicole Gravagna. Hello, doc. How are you?
1: Hi, Yubi. Nice to be here with you today.
0: Excellent. Yes, I am very excited. Uh, And then we also have um, our guest co host, Nina Baliga, who is also a co host with our guest and I on our quote unquote sister (laughs) podcast called Choose Inclusion. Hi, Nina.
1: Hey! Thanks for having me today as your guest co-host. Yeah,
0: this is kind of exciting. You know, it worked for Ellen. You know, and, and <laughs> I think Jimmy Fallon and all those people. So, um, so our guest, our guest today, uh, I think globally, he's known as uh, a civil rights activist for people with disabilities. Um, he's the executive director of the Blind Institute of Technology. Um, lesser known as a karate champion. Uh, I'll let him explain that. But uh, Michael Hess, welcome to the show.
2: Uh, Really happy to be here. uh, It really is a pleasure. Love what you're doing with uh, uh, this concept. And uh, Doc, uh, love what you do and the perspective that you're bringing. And Nina and uh, Ubaldo, this uh, should be a fun conversation today.
1: I think we're supposed to be gushing on you, Mike, not the other way around. We're so happy to
2: have you here. I know how to pander, okay? Like, I really do. Good point.
0: It's a very good point. Um, Well, okay, so why are we here, right? So we, you know, the the show, we really want to hear and talk about the future of work, you know, as it relates to from everything from hiring to yeah. underrepresented groups of people to how you know how companies need to start thinking about the future, especially in the midst of the COVID pandemic, um, but also in the midst of these conversations now around systemic inequalities and oppression and and these groups of people who haven't ever really truly been given an opportunity. And and your focus, Mike, is is the disability community because it's, they're frankly, the highest rate of unemployment. Is that right?
2: Well, if you, if you look across, you know, um, A, the percentage of individuals with disabilities, not only here in the United States, uh, which is estimated at 65 million globally, which is estimated at one in seven, um individuals so when you start doing just that from a uh, marginalized community it's it really is um a fairly significant marginalized community when you think about it from the pure numbers perspective
1: wait one in seven what
2: individuals with disabilities globally
1: are oh it one in seven people
2: yep one in seven have uh, identifying with a disability that's per the united nations correct
0: okay I mean, those are, yeah, those are big numbers, right? And but but if you you know we you talk about it, it's an untapped potential, right?
2: I I believe I truly believe I think the uh, the concept of um, and regardless of where you are in, in the world, uh, so the, the 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 best unemployment or the best employment numbers and individuals that are actually are participating in the employment sector are here in the United States. But so even the best numbers that you can find within the people with disabilities community, call it 30, 40 percent participation, you know, from demographics within the people with disabilities community. Okay, so those numbers of participants um, across country for country, they continue to go down. So what ends up happening, if you think about that, like they're they really are, uh, you know, what you would say is a burden on. Uh, different org- different countries and, you know, how they are supported from country to country at, at that point. So instead of um, <clears throat> investing your money in, um, you know, kind of a, a social service support model, uh, leverage uh, what I believe is, is an incredibly talented, determined, uh, innovative, uh, talking about problem solving, like, you know, like every day, uh, you know, obviously pre-pandemic, But even during the pandemic, you know, solving for like how to get from uh, point A to point B on time, going from meeting to meeting, uh, you know, how to bring my technology, uh, allow myself to be a productive, you know, professional. Like that problem solving prowess, I think is very pervasive within this community. And again, I'm using the broader uh, people with disabilities community, you know, so uh, not just blind, visually impaired, with uh, deaf, hard of hearing, uh, neurodiverse, there's, uh, you know, per the World Health Organization, uh, the number one cause of disability globally is depression, anxiety, right? And so how do you navigate, you know, with very serious uh, situations, situations like that, you know, everybody is, is very unique um, with how they approach that, but, but g- approach it, they will, and they do, and it's in and that's something that should be celebrated within industry when industry is looking for problem solving.
1: Mike, I'm going to cut you off for just a moment. Can we go back to what you said about in the U.S. Uh, people who identify as having a disability? What was the unemployment rate?
2: Uh, well, so the the number is estimated at 65 million, right? So, and depending on which you know, like, uh, uh, like. Uh, call it demographic within that, whether it's blind, visually impaired, whether it's deaf, whether it's neurodiverse, right? So the percentages kind of fluctuate, but they, you know, kind of on average, the unemployment rate for the broader uh, people with disabilities, uh, the unemployment is around 70%. And then if you start throwing in kind of the-
1: Hold on, let's just stop there. 70% of people who would otherwise be capable of doing productive things- adding to economic development, um, making money for their own families and themselves, and, and in general, staying out of trouble because they go to work every day, uh, those people are not employed.
2: Correct. And, and then you, you break it down to th- that's, you know, in the, the percentage that are actually participating in in the workplace or actively attempting to participate. So those numbers are super low too like 35 40% so you have you have the 70% of this really small number right so so you're not even so systemically so within call it the blind visually impaired community uh, there's like two automatic ways to get social security disability insurance uh, here in the United States one is imminent death you're going to die within 9 months the other is blindness so you're you're creating this this like systemic like oh well you're blind well you should just be you know a social burden right so there's this, you know, so systemically there are some, the, some things that are in place that quite honestly, you know, don't necessarily motivate or inspire or encourage the participating within, you know, the, the you know, workforce.
1: Now, I, I want to be super clear about this. It, it might not be easy for someone who has their site to understand if it's possible to work or not. Um, but I want to be clear that you do not have your site and you correct.
2: run a, a nonprofit organization. Yeah, correct, yeah, and, and we run as, so our model uh, doc is, is, is actually, we run as a nonprofit staffing agency. So, uh, you know, our, our end goal is to help uh, blind, visually impaired and the greater professionals with disabilities community We stay very focused on uh, the professional side of the house. That's the language I speak, uh, be, you know, kind of growing up my career in the Fortune 5, Fortune 600 technology space. And um, so we, we act as a nonprofit staffing agency, going to um, organizations nationwide uh, and, and really getting them introduced to some amazing professionals with disabilities and helping them with their diversity, equity, and inclusion, the longing initiatives for the people with disabilities community.
1: So you're intimately familiar with sending people with disabilities to work? 100%. Wonderful. Thank you for being here with us today.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Which, which to me, I look at the future of work and to me, the future of work uh, is absolutely um, like I think it's the best time in history. I mean, truly like the uh, the very unfortunate, you know, uh, you know, George Floyd, which, again, uh, spurred, you know, call it the third or fourth or fifth. I don't know how many waves of the Black Lives Matter movement the very unfortunate waves which are and and it really was this very public display of egregious you know murder right so um and and so uh spring of of 2020 uh when that happened and so uh you know there was this huge influx in, you know black lives matter and in you know inclusion equity kind of conversations well bit has been around for a minute and we've been talking about again partnering with organizations around their de and i efforts Specifically around the people with disabilities, so leveraging right this um, this unfortunate incident, but getting more companies to actually talk about inclusion. So we, so literally, like one of my uh, kind of conversation pieces is, you know, as you're having inclusion conversations, can we be a bit more inclusive with our inclusion conversations? Right. So not, not being exclusive and just saying, oh, you poor blind people or you poor deaf people. No, no, no. Let's just be more inclusive as we're having these inclusion conversations.
0: Yeah. That's a great point. Right. Like it's,
2: and
0: and I think if you look through history, right, these trends start to repeat itself. So it starts with um, women, right? Like we're going to hire a woman onto this team of all white males, for example, you know, and then it, then it it progresses to, um, you know, people of color, and then it progresses to people with disabilities. Like, it's sort of this cycle that we're, we're stuck in, but, but your point is, you know, why the conversation should include anybody and everybody. It, does, it doesn't matter right. anymore, right? Like, it should now include everybody. And, it, and so we're kind of caught up now with, with the disability
2: community. Well, actually, in your, uh, uh, some amazing momentum that took place at the beginning of the 21st century is obviously the uh, relationship orientation, right? LGBTQIA plus community that made, uh, I think, tremendous progress, you know, it, at the beginning of the century. So, and, and quite honestly, I, you know, at the beginning of Blind Institute of Technology and, you know, kind of as I was learning my sales pitch, Like learning and leveraging a lot of that amazing. So again, I I use the very specific language professionals with disabilities, right? Um, And very, very. And I understand blindness through technology. uh, But I again, a I'm blind, um, and I, I I think I told I. uh, So I got the name because of the technologist at heart that I am, and I took the binary bit, the zero and one, and created the acronym. Blind Institute of Technology. But so BIT as a concept, uh, we're leveraging technology always as that mitigator, which um, to allow people with disabilities to have, you know, an experience like all people should. And, and uh, you know, the amazing Nina here has an amazing Ted, TEDx talk that talks about accessible technology is actually just good for business, period. Um, and there's all kinds of amazing statistics that talk about that. But so when I was first coming up um, and talking about blind Institute of technology, um, you know, representing the the broader professionals with disabilities, it's because of the LGBTQ, LGBTQIA uh, conversation and realizing like when they were when they were like in their silos and only talking about the L or the G or the B or the T, right? Like when they were only in their silos. Like it was almost like they were working against each other. And so with, with BIT very much focusing on, you know, it's that collective talking about like, uh, you know, so blind into technology we, we ab- absolutely get, um, you know, folks who are deaf, folks who are hard of hearing, we've gotten people on the spectrum placed motor skills, uh, impaired. So we are, if, if they've got professional chops, that's who we represent, that's who we're taking, uh, to the biggest companies in the world.
1: Well, what have those conversations looked like, Mike? I mean, I think you know when people talk about the diversity, equity, inclusion conversation. You're right; like people with disabilities often get left out of that conversation. Um, what has what has you know come up as you're talking to these companies about you know not just the employment rates, but you know what it means um, to actually employ people with disabilities or get them involved in your hiring?
2: Sure, you know, and it's and it's interesting because it's very much kind of like that. Uh, um, you know, again, going back to your your TEDx talk, Nina. Like, I leverage the fact where, again, the business case is very clear now. Like, it is this isn't like you don't make your your digital uh, environment right, your digital user experience accessible because it's like a feel good story. It's actually really good for business, and you want to attract uh, consumers from all demographics. And they know that like within the united states alone the disposable income for people with disabilities okay as a collective all right let's go back to that 65 million is that disposable income is higher than both the black and latino latina x communities combined and so again it's a business case so so leveraging that so and then you take that so that's the business side of things like you're you're doing that digital well so then if you take that business case and just start saying well Um, your environment can become really systemically and naturally accessible by actually just instead of just focusing on this like one effort, like now leveraging that capital investment to your internal teams and organize. And we also know that organizations who really invest in diversity, right across the board, outperform outperform their their peers in the same vertical, like, so the business case. So I, I, I I use business language to talk to these business leaders across the board. So that's the kind of business case. However, still many people have never worked side by side with a blind person, (laughs) side by side with a deaf person. So how do you do that? So the kind of the next step of saying, okay, cool. I get the business case, but I still have this, like, how do you do what you do component and, and I explained to them, like, okay, well, so if a blind person is able to navigate and order a, you know, a plane ticket on, you know, give whatever airline or order a product from Amazon or do all those other kind of things, like, you know, those user experiences are actually way more complicated than most systems internally. So if if screen reader technologies and and other kind of assistive technologies are able to do that, like being able to do internal systems where, as you guys know, inside of you know, professional America. Like most of the time, it's glorified spreadsheets. It's it's other kind of systems that are just real simple UIs. They're not they're not all dolled up with all the marketing, uh, marketing jargon that's out there. So actually, being able to negotiate different systems. Most uh, systems are actually CLI or command line interfaces, anyway. So so just explaining to them like how do you do your job is actually a really easy assistive technology solution. And so again, keeping the business conversation at a business level, like never saying like, oh, and by the way, like this is, this is just really good for your overall culture, even though like uh, the silver lining is it's really good for your overall culture.
1: You're making it sound like like it's actually pretty easy to hire people with disabilities.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like, I'd like to say it is the, the hardest thing to overcome. So cool, as, as, as I connect all of those binary dots, Stock, the hardest thing to overcome is stigma and perception.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, so so who's doing a good job of this?
2: Um, we have a, we have a couple of organizations that you know we worked with uh, nationally and literally helped build entire teams. Who uh, those team members have now been promoted and, and promoted even more, and now you know hold great positions. So um, you know at uh, CVS, we've been we've been doing work with them literally since uh, 2014. A year after uh, BIT uh, came into effect, and uh, so they've been they've been bringing on our t- bringing on talent from ours uh, literally year over year, and uh, in in our retention rate uh, for all organizations actually um, is actually like ninety six point seven percent. So individuals that we have stay on for more than six months, they're still there. Right. So, again, another going back to the business, you know, solution or business conversation like attrition, like it's a major conversation piece for organizations. There's a cost to attrition. Well, So for our folks, because quite honestly, let's be, you know, be honest with the conversation. People with disabilities do not have the same opportunities as our fully able bodied peers. So job hopping, quite honestly, is not a thing in our culture as a whole right so we're very much like we you know we find a home that's absolutely like willing to take us we're like yep we're there like we're you know we're, we don't you know we're not you know with the commute like there was a job my my last job before i came you know started bit like i had a 90 minute three bus commute each way oh geez yeah but but guess what like i it was i was a six-figure engineer so do you think i was on that bus at uh, five nineteen every morning to make sure i was at work by 7
0: isn't that, I mean, right. isn't that incredible. Like, well, and the other thing I always remember you telling me was, you know, this is also a, a, a community of people who are, are pretty highly educated because, you know, that they, they they haven't traditionally been able to get a job. So they go back to school, right? Or they learn.
2: hundred uh, percent, actually. So it's, uh, so the candidates that we have, and literally globally, uh, uh, almost fifty percent of the candidates that come to us have uh, a bachelor's or more. So almost fifty percent. So and get and here's the unfortunate thing, ladies and gentlemen, your tax dollars, my tax dollars are paying for their education. So like so we're we're doing all this social investment in this community, and yet the business community is not reaping the the benefits. They're not you know, they're not they're not taking advantage of the benefits of this very innovative, very loyal, highly educated community and that's so BIT is literally taking it and and obviously working very very directly with you doc to to attempt for us to help with that stigma and perception conversation and recognizing uh you you're the one who introduced this concept like you know because I was like man there's like despair because I have amazing conversations with organizations all over the country so in 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 it is the the dial is moving it is absolutely moving okay However, there are like, like, I might be blind, but I'm not dead. Like I can feel like the energy with conversations with people where they're just like, yeah, I don't, you know, this, this is all good, Mike. However, like, so, and, and I always like, there's, there's like this fear of blind people. Like there's this fear of deaf people. There's this like innate, you know, so I, I came to, um, you know, literally a neuroscientist, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Nicole here. I'm um, not going to say the last name, uh, Dr. Nicole, and and said, you know, I, can you help me put together some some language around this fear of, you know, the dark, and this fear of, and and so of course, working with a neuroscientist, he goes, Mike, it's it's actually bigger than this fear of the dark. This is this is behavioral economics. This is exactly what Dr. Um, Uh, Amos Tversky and Daniel Kahneman, who won the Nobel Prize for Economics in 2002, for this concept of loss aversion. So, loss aversion is this very real conversation that ever that affects everybody. Anybody who has this this thing called empathy, which, by the way, is is only in the you know. The, the human of the species, <laughs> like this ability to actually kind of empathize with 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 somebody else when they see somebody with this very physical, you know, challenge, you know, whether it's motor skills impaired in a wheelchair, whether it's deaf, blindness, those kind of things, you, we as human beings, we can empathize. We can put ourselves in those shoes. And quite honestly, that's where that fear comes 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 to bear. We're like, yeah, that scares the crap out of me.
1: Mike, I've never asked you, You you can feel in people when you're standing in front of them and they're having their loss aversion experience, they're uncomfortable, there's anxiety. You're feeling that from them, your voice, you're probably just feeling it in your body near them. How do you get them past that? Do you have a coping mechanism that helps somebody you're standing near get to the other side of their anxiety?
2: I just hug them. (laughs)
1: <laughs> the friendliness then friendliness yeah. yeah. jokes
2: Cause, cause pe- <laughs> just people, like we did
1: right now <laughs> yeah,
2: people love being hugged by strangers especially strange blind guys right like they just love that so <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so uh, it's a um yeah honestly it's you know like uh, uh, obviously self-deprecating humor I you know, like, uh, again, I'll be the, <laughs> when I do speak, you know, like in front of large audiences, uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of in person, I, if I'm up on stage, I love, 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 you know, with my cane, I love going up to the edge of the stage. Like, I don't, I'm not standing behind the podium, you know, as this, like, I, I, I grab my, you know, my wireless mic and I go up to the edge of the stage. Right. And I, and I, and I put my cane down and I'm like, oh, what is this three, four feet down. And, and I could just feel the people in the audience are like, oh crap and i'm like is this the no, <laughs> is, is this the no splash zone right here you know like i'm you know i've got it i've got to kind of shake people free of this idea that like you know i'm not a, a you know again blind doesn't mean that i'm just like gonna fall down and, and you know like you know like so i got to start breaking some of those stigmas and perceptions and i do this super intentional and then a lot of times i'll <laughs> like um i'll i'll, I'll just kind of like you know i'll i'll because of my martial arts background obviously i'm very good balance but I'll, I'll like you know step one foot over you know the edge and everything else and just again i do it because to, to, i can hear this collective like oh crap you know <laughs> so well and you it's, know you know it's interesting mike
0: it, it's we 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 on choose inclusion right we had a, a comedian um who who's a stutterer jose um and he he talked about you know that that self-deprecating humor right but it, more as a, a, a way of controlling his conversation his own co- story right like you're taking control of the story and you're letting people know that you know that hey it's okay like it's i, I get that you have this loss aversion of this fear but guess what yeah it, it's okay and and so i feel like there's a component of that maybe too 100 percent,
2: right so in in uh I uh, love talking to Jose about that, right? Where he and I—I uh, I mean, you got you and Nina—could totally feel this connection. That you know, like I think, uh, you know, people with disabilities, you know, there's a gosh, and it crosses cultures in a way that even like gender or relationship orientation doesn't always cross, you know, those cultural bounds. But with disabilities, like there's this, there's this kinship, right? That. Uh, we, we know what it, we know what it's like to be in a room. Like, again, I could be in a room full of white males. Apparently I'm white. Right. And I'm still going to, and I'm still going to be the unicorn. Yeah. Right. There's, there's, this component, like, again, being the minority amongst the minority that it, you know, until you've felt that experienced that, like that's, that creates that, that bond that um, that I love. And, and, again, we, we, Lex Gillette again, like, you know, like for, for months I was kind of talking about like, you know, there's this kind of this, this, this different feeling even amongst, but it's one thing for a white guy to be talking about this, but then Lex came on African-American, amazing Paralympian, all this, you know, all this kind of stuff. Right. And you guys heard him say, he goes, yeah, I, I never felt this thing of discrimination for my blackness, but I feel it every day from my blindness. Right. Right. And that, and that's just, you know, that like, it's, but that's one thing for a white guy to say that. Right.
0: Well, I, yeah, ex- I think, yeah, you're exactly, well, and I think it that that's why there has been so much global recognition re- late, you know, recently, lately too, um, for, for disability voices and, and, you know, advocates um, I mean, you've been, you know, You've been uh, featured at in the UN, some of their communications, the International Labor Organization. You've been on a couple of global lists of top forty voices. So I think I think yeah, I see this like amazing momentum. I agree. You know, within this community. So like, uh, final question. Uh, sure. Before, or Nina, you you had something, but I was going to ask. You know, like what 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 to you? What is the future of work?
2: Uh, future work truly is a, because uh, uh, again, with the pandemic, what we were able to experience it, it actually ex- totally verifies this too, right? Like there was this global experiment that remote work can be productive work. And to that end, like Salesforce just came out, it was, it was this week or earlier this week, where like 90, 95% of their uh, their workforce is going to be permanently remote, so, again, there, there are major brands that are committing to, you know, global remote kind of work. Well, that, that totally benefits the broader professionals with disabilities community, where sometimes logistics. Again, I, I, I did the whole three buses, 90-minute commute because I have a family to raise, right? But holy buckets, isn't it so much nicer to know, like, you know, like, all I got to do is, is <laughs> brush my teeth, grab my coffee, and go to my office space, You know, like and that's because that's that's obviously just a little bit more helpful for for people with disabilities as well. So I I I truly like again, I'm a glass half full or three quarters full guy. You guys know that about me. But my you know, I truly believe like the pandemic, there's going to be some silver linings that come out of this for the broader. And then, of course, platforms like Salesforce, which is 100 percent accessible for, you know, I mean, totally blind people where you have organizations like, you know, SaaS providers that are ubiquitous and enterprise oriented, that are 100% committed to accessibility, not just from the user experience perspective, but from the workforce, you know, empowering entrepreneur and employment perspective. And that's, so to me, I see the future of work and and kind of everything that's happened, taking the horrific acts of, of, uh, you know, George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter and the pandemic, I really do look at this as like, the the, this decade has is never looked brighter for the broader professionals with disabilities community globally Mm. amen is that a mic drop
0: i think (laughs) so
1: (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh, thank you guys for having me i i love what you're doing with uh with this concept uh i thrilled like i'm so honored i i i uh, so respect and, and love, n- not just what you guys do, but how you guys do it. Um, I feel that it's, um, it's truly an honor to, to not only be, uh, you know, kind of, uh, a co-host, but truly, uh, be considered you guys as friends. So thank you for having me on and thanks for doing what you guys do.
0: Oh, thank you. Absolute pleasure. Um, uh, doc, any, any parting words? Oh, so many.
1: I wish this could go on for, for hours, but I, um, i really appreciate your f- vision of the future uh no pun intended that that this is an optimistic time that there were some good things that came out of the pandemic for the community that you serve and and that it will become a bit of a um, leveling field for so many people that's such a wonderful thing to come out of this pandemic
2: thanks dr. Yeah,
0: it's phenomenal. Awesome. Well, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Dr. Nicole. Thank you, Nina, for for guest co-hosting with us. We're really excited to be bringing this this new podcast to you, the audience. Uh, You'll be able to subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as a few other streaming stations, Um, and then um, just check the link that we'll provide you. Uh, to get access to the, the website page for, for the podcast. Uh, but thank you all again, and we'll see you next time.
1: Take care, everyone. Thank you.